Hello everyone, I'm Jacob Wilkinson, the pernicious one. I'm Drew Wade, the hardcore one. And I'm Glenn Cathy, the solipsistic one. And this is our podcast. And today's episode is about the economy. But boys, before we get into that, uh, I feel like it's been a minute since last Thursday. How mm-hmm. how are how are you guys doing? It's been a long week. It's been a long, a long week. Long I'm week. doing I'm doing really well personally. Um, I'm really uh, happy 2023 to all of our listeners. This is our first episode of 2023. Um, mm-hmm. Last year we had the goal of posting two episodes a month. And we really killed that. <laughs> I just want to congratulate us before we move any further. I think this is we're, the uh, year. Sure. <laughs> I think this year we're gonna we're gonna up the ante. We're gonna once a week. We're posting more. <laughs> I'm gonna quit my job for this. At this point, like setting a stricter goal might actually be the only way it happens, honestly. Because we were like, ah, uh, you know, like what it can come every you know whenever we feel like it and then <laughs> it takes a while to feel like it sometimes <laughs> i need to just start like bullying you all <laughs> yeah that worked that. you've been asking a ton and that yeah that worked to make this happen I mean, did it really though like i started asking a ton it and did it still, like a month <laughs> that's and a half that's <laughs> true <laughs> like once a week i was like t-i-o-p win <laughs> still a month and a half it so finally it just, culminated, though. So, all it takes is for true. Logan to go out for a girl's night out and bang, T-I-O-P. There you go. Uh, Glenn, you are not in Tennessee right now. What's what's up with that? <laughs> Talk to us. Um, I'm, what's up with I'm that? Trapped in a, I'm trapped in a cave. I'm actually oh, no. in, in Colorado. I'm, scary. I'm buried. Uh, no, I'm in, I'm in Monterey, California. Um, I, I work remotely now. That happened in the last week. I got a remote job. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that happened, uh, in all honesty, about, um, what, six months ago? It was early June 2022. Um, I got a remote job. Um, so I can, this is actually my second visit out to California uh, since my sister has, has moved out here. Um, so she's got a, a spare room and I can work from anywhere. So, you know, sometimes I, I fly out here, flights are cheap and just stay in and work for a month. And it's, it's really nice. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's really great to be able to, you know, to have the opportunity to get out of Tennessee and, yeah, and, um, it's a really, you know, small town. It's, it's smaller than Cookville. Wow. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with the size of Cookville. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pacific Grove is uh, is kind of out on the peninsula of, of Monterey Bay, and that's where she is. And I think the population is like 10,000, and Cookville is like 20 or 30, somewhere around mm. there, depending on whether or not, you know, Tennessee Tech is uh, in session. Right. Um, but it's really great. It's really, you know, slow pace of life. You know, it's really easy to get into a routine. I'm not stressed about seeing MAGA hats every time I go to Publix. Yeah. Um, so that's a real great step up. There's a Trader <laughs> Joe's. You know, it feels like society. So, <laughs> yeah, just having that's a great fun. time out of here. That's awesome. What's, uh, you talked about the vibe a little bit. You mentioned that you have a routine. What's, like, your, uh, like, what what is, like, the routine you've fallen into since you've gotten out there? Well, um, uh with the time change, I have to get up very early for work, which I'm really not used to. Right. Um, 
So my, my day starts at 6 a.m. and then I have a morning meeting at 7 a.m. every day out here. You know, normally it's 8 a.m. And, and 9 a.m. respectively mm-hmm. uh, in Tennessee. But, uh, you know, it starts at 6 a.m. And, and I work till 2 p.m. So I get off like really early afternoon and um, I usually walk to a coffee shop and uh, just get a pot of tea. Um, so my caffeine intake is way down out here, too, which is probably good for my mm-hmm. brain. Yeah. Um, but just get a nice pot of herbal tea and read a book for, you know, three or four hours until the coffee shop closes and, uh, walk along the beach back home and, you know, settle in and, uh, get to bed pretty early. You know, I have to get to bed at, um, like 10 o'clock at night, which is unheard of for a person such as myself. Yeah. I was going to say that is like an an insane shift for you. Welcome welcome to the club, brother. Yeah, it's really, it's something that I should do in Tennessee, but I simply don't do because I'm very <laughs> unhappy there. So it, uh, yeah, I think the the peace that I feel out here really results in um, a much healthier uh, just life balance overall. I feel a lot better out here, to be honest. That's cool. Yeah. Neat. What about you, Drew? How have things been for you? Yeah, it's um, having a son that's growing. It's pretty sick. Um, I was telling you guys just a little bit ago, I think he might have bronchitis right now. He's got some pretty wet-sounding coughs, so not loving that. Makes me a little concerned. But it uh, doesn't seem to bother him at all, so um, hopefully <laughs> it doesn't turn into anything more serious. Uh, we just bought a house in the last week since our last episode, so that's pretty sick, <laughs> I guess. Uh, really exciting. Going, in, going into lifelong debt, so... It's- it's a nice Super. house too. It's, it's worth you. the lifelong debt, I'd say. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm very excited. I, I hated renting. Renting is buns, in my opinion. Um, and I don't. Oh man, I could <laughs> I could complain about my landlord for like twenty minutes right now. So I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like I feel like I've had like a personal like landlord in the past, like someone I could actually like talk to. And then like the last place I was living was just like a rental company. It was just like a faceless corporation just sucks. Like, cause they can just like be not the best place to live, but you don't have anybody specific to blame or anybody like to contact specifically about all these things. So that just wasn't really fun. So I'm glad to just be in our own place now. Mm. Yeah. I mean that sounds like a really nice change. The like yard is really exciting. It's like too bad it's been basically only cold since you guys got out there. Do you have any big plans? <laughs> oh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of cookouts. You know, we'll have you guys over for sure for some some barbecuing on my little grill and play some cornhole. You know, um, but it's like you got to get a big grill. Good sober. Yeah, eventually I want to get like one of those. Um, like Blackstone, like the flat top grills, those mm-hmm. are those are sick, and I feel like easy to cook on. So yeah, mm-hmm. into that. Yeah, the last time I was at your place, uh, it was so cold that we were storing beers outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they were colder than the the drinks coming out of your fridge. So. Way colder. Yeah, that was, you. I mean, you came over during like Arctic blast, so yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, 2022 winter apocalypse yeah uh yeah it was a bad time so um well that's fun yeah since uh our last episode i also started working remotely and that has just like i don't know yeah 
I listened to like the last one and I was just like listening to some of the things I was talking about and it just kind of blew my mind how much like um, perspective on like life has shifted, I guess, just because like of me being kind of stuck in like the South tree rut at the time a little bit. I mean, I've had like a lot of bad and good like during this last year. Um, but I think like uh, ever since I started working remotely, it's just been overwhelming how nice like my relationship with time has become like the like how much time I can spend at home and like uh just Glenn can attest to this sometimes in like really large <laughs> working from home systems especially in like programming it's just like really easy to slip through the cracks and especially when you're low level people just like don't even think to like ask you what you did <laughs> that day and so like there's a lot of time that I, uh, well, maybe for you, it's been a lot more hands-on, but for me, it's, uh, always, yeah, <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> for me, I don't know. It's always been pretty loose. Um, but I mean, like I've finished like three or four projects, like in the last year and like, like leading a project right now. Um, but it, it just kind of came down to like needing to add on like, uh, uh, like not like a root, not like structure but just sort of like um i i like wanted this year i sort of wanted to make about just like taking even more advantage of that time than i had been um so i've been like basically since the beginning of the year like journaling every day and like drawing and reading and writing like whenever like the vibe hits me and uh like completely detached from social media and like have only been playing like one video game recently and so like my it's it's odd because my sleeping schedule actually has like done sort of an opposite thing but for me that's been like just being able to be around like the people in my life who are always like out late because that was just something that i like craved so badly like when i was working all the time was like uh, to have a better social life so right now it's like i'm out until i'm out or like here doing something until like three and then I wake up at like eleven, have a meeting, work until like five, and then yeah, just do whatever I want until like three. And it's been like a very nice uh, new um, approach to things, and I feel very happy. So, so yeah, yeah, that's you know. so sick, man. Um, very yeah, excited uh, for you. I can't encourage the the journaling every day enough. To be honest, I think that's it's insane how much it helps. A really it, great thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> It blows my mind. Like, um, when I, like, the, the thing that inspired me to do it was just, like, I think one of the only things that Twitter was good for was I appreciated that I could, like, catalog every thought that I thought, like, was worth, like, cataloging, like, with a date. But I never really loved that I, like, needed to, you know, uh, like put that out through like like a channel like like a platform you know what i mean like mm. for like my thoughts like for my thoughts to feel like real or like like the only way for me to be able to like track how i felt at different times was like through like twitter <laughs> which is just really lame um and so like i wanted to just be able to have like a little paragraph about how i felt every day and it's really funny like i was reading it recently just reading through like the first like week and a half of entries that I did and like the first day like the first like three days I'm just like why am I not sticking to any of these rules I've set for myself I hate myself so much and then like starting on like day four it just slowly transitions into like 
wow, I'm following all these rules I set for myself and life is really awesome <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's been great. I mean, obviously, it's like January 13th, so I don't expect things to be perfect forever. But I'm like two weeks into some of the like the most productive headspace that I've been in in a long time. And that's like converting on the things that I've that I like learned last year, like it's like after I started this job, I guess. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm a uh, little I'm I feel that uh, that leaving Twitter thing. It's it's kind of been speaking to me since you've been talking <laughs> about it. Like, I don't know, like before I would just get on Twitter during lulls at work and just scroll for a while and just be upset about like 50% of the things and then the other 50% are like sports and things that make me laugh <laughs> which is really just what I would stay on there for but um but I would always I always had a, a 30 minute limit set on my phone and previous to the start of this year I'd always just like click on the <laughs> ignore limit for today and I just keep going but uh, I've starting this year I started sticking to it and then these past like couple days or so past week or so I've just been on there less like today I vividly remember opening it seeing something that made me upset to see and then just immediately closing and that was my whole twitter use for the day whereas normally i would like click on that read all the replies and just be more upset <laughs> so yeah yeah um i uh hats off to you for for just going cold turkey i appreciate it, it i mean it's been like I think the thing, the other times that I tried it, I, like, would fill the hole with, like, Reddit or watching YouTube or just, like, mm -hmm. finding some other, like, meaningless, like, time vice, I guess. Um, so I've just been, like, trying to find productive things, and I think that that's, like, held it up the most. The most interesting thing has been, like, I had a spurt last year where I was reading a bunch of comics, and I was tracking myself as reading, like, about four issues a day. And so I was like, okay, I want to start reading comics again. I ordered this, like, omnibus that had, like, 80 issues in it. And I was like, I was reading about four issues a day, so I want to see if I can bump it up to five and be done with this, like, in the next month and a half or so. And I finished that book last night, and I've been reading about 20 issues a day and wow. averaging about, like, two or three hours. And um, I, like, started reading this book about drawing that my friend Courtney gave me, and I ordered a couple of, like, nonfiction books I've been interested in reading for a while. So I am, like... Yeah, it just and, and the other weird thing is like Quantum and I have been binging a lot of TV. My friend Ben has been over maybe 10 of the 13 days that have happened this year so far. Like I'm like doing like, I don't know, I, I'm letting myself like have nice rest, but it's just from the ground up, like structuring my mindset around like a planner instead of an app on my phone. <laughs> like it's it's just like changing my life. I don't I don't really know how else to explain it. So it's been very productive. Yeah, it is um it is kind of a sober reminder at least for me when I realize like how much time like 4 to 5 hours really is because at least for me when I like it's it is incredibly easy for me to blow through 4 to 5 hours if I'm like you know watch a couple episodes of a show and that can be a couple hours you know if I'm getting up a couple times during it and then spend an hour on YouTube, spend an hour on Twitter, and that's so dangerously easy for my brain to do yeah. comfortably and happily. But, like, if I turn around and spend four hours reading a book, um, I come away from that with 
like I'll think about the content that I read for like dates. Like I'll just play with it in my mind because it's just interesting. Like I just like it. Like I'll I'll start conversations with people about it. Like I just I I genuinely love intaking information in that way. And you can do so much of that in yeah. a single evening. But for myself as well, like it it can be very difficult to get started. And that's that's really the hardest part. Like if I get started and sit down with a book, I'll just sit there and read. But for some reason, well, because it is literally designed to be easier to get started with an right. app like Twitter, um, it's it's just so much easier for me to sit down and, ooh, I will look at everything that frustrates me. Right, um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've 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 never been able to um to go cold turkey on on things like Twitter. Reddit was really easy for me, but um I really think the only way I'm going to get completely off Twitter is when the user experience um degrades to the point where it's just it doesn't make my brain happy in the same way anymore, mm. which it very quickly is getting to that point just between like the issues of the platform itself as well as uh you know like account moderation like mm. um you said half of half of your stuff is sports and half of stuff is uh, half of your stuff is things that make you angry drew i'd say i'd say probably 90% of my stuff is things that make <laughs> me angry um yeah. well uh, i should i should clarify that i'd say 90% of my stuff is politics so a good chunk of that is things that make me angry. And then also yeah. a good chunk of that is, um, you know, just uh, leftist folks talking about things that they've learned or posting articles or posting, you know, long form uh, uh, analysis of, of things that they're reading. And um, a lot of those accounts are actually going away because of the, the content moderation. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe soon I will be pushed from that website, but, I don't think I could ever go cold turkey on it like that. Um, I think like that's I fully respect that. I appreciate it. I honestly for me, like that's the only thing that's ever worked with any of my vices because I just like do have a bad habit of like giving in to myself. So like sort of I, I love to do the like 30 minute limit and then like click ignore on it thing. That's just like my like default way of approaching problems. And I know that like the the true solution that works for me like is the same thing that worked for like league when i quit that like a year and a half ago which was just like i like spent a couple of weeks really considering like what role it was playing in my life and then just was like it's bad and i have to like stop now and i have to make myself stop now and that's like the only thing i can like really do <laughs> like it's the only way that works for me so maybe like mm -hmm. waning I don't know it is like a healthier way to go about some things but like for at least for technology for me it's always been like i just have to know how like embarrassed i would be if i went back on this thing that <laughs> i like told myself it was gonna be a new rule that i'm not gonna do it anymore and then eventually i just don't care mm -hmm. like last year i mean not last year last week um when the uh house vote was happening it, it was really funny because i spent like maybe 10 minutes a day watching like a highlight of like a streamer explaining like, Oh yeah, they did like four more rounds of voting today. And like these two guys yelled at each other. 
And I was just like, oh, ha, 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 like, things are so bad around here. Anyway, like, back to drawing Pokemon. And I just, like, had, like, a much better relationship with even just, like, I don't know, been, like, negative things that were happening. Like, that same thing would have been, like, I would have been obsessed with that on Twitter and seeing, like, I, I remember, like, one day I was just wondering, like, what some of the accounts I follow, like, had to have been saying about that whole situation, just knowing that I could have lost, like, hours into just like reading threads about yeah. nothing about nothing <laughs> it's just so silly mm-hmm. it is almost a form of of like celebrity i guess mm-hmm. because it it truly is something that is so foundationally meaningless to your life yeah. you know like it knowing those spools of information changes nothing <laughs> like right, yeah it, it literally can only harm. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of mostly what I've been thinking about uh, with respect to politics recently is like, it just doesn't, uh, I think engaging with theory and engaging with local politics is kind of where I've landed as far as like the only real productive uses of your time yeah. <laughs> in that area. Because, yeah. yeah, knowing like the intimate details about a house member from Wisconsin is not going to make my life better or different in any way, except just how I approach my reality, like internally. You Um, and I had a conversation like before you left for California, that was like kind of, um, illuminating for me in a way, because we like sat on my couch, just like ranting about, conservative influencers and uh like talking heads and you at one point just said like we've spent we like we've been here for an hour and a half and we've probably named about 40 people a piece at this point it was just like the libraries of like people i don't like that i'm building in my head like what like yeah exactly it's, i, it's I just said like such an in, insanely bad mindset i feel like yeah i said um I said sometimes we say we're like trying to unplug ourselves or we feel more unplugged than we are, but we also just had an hour and a half long conversation about everything conservative pundits have done for the past month. Yeah, and that, exactly. That is that is so foolish. Like it it is literally like rent free. Like I should not know everything Charlie Kirk has said publicly for the past month. Yeah. I just it won't ever help me. Like it's just not a good thing to live in my brain to know what these people think and what they're saying. Yeah. I'm sure uh what what what's the like sports experience like for you, Drew? Cuz I like only briefly like interact with that side of Twitter, but like it, I know that like at least for me like being having like pockets of information like league twitter or or like smash twitter was a thing that definitely kept me addicted like just knowing yeah. that it was like such an easy source of like all that information so yeah really- i mean i i literally made like a second twitter account just for sports stuff so um but even just trying to stick with just the sports side of twitter like i'll run into people that are either just obvious trolls or just like saying <laughs> things that i vehemently disagree with about a sports topic and it kind of just has like the same effect like i'll just be scrolling like look at all these people that 
have such bad opinions and it just makes me angry so yeah like even the stuff that isn't like this is just supposed to be sports it's just supposed to be fun uh it makes me angry too but at the same it's fun to like follow a bunch of people that are fans of the same team as you and just like get to um both grieve (laughs) not grieve it's not that serious uh to me at least it is to other people like, grieve when things go wrong or just have a, a big group of people that are all celebrating when things go right is pretty fun um so i guess a little bit of that is what's keeping me hooked on and mm-hmm. also just it's a great uh unfortunately it's a great network for just like sports news because like all the like insiders just like whenever something happens, we'll immediately post it on Twitter. And that's the quickest way to see things and keep Mm. up with it. So I think that's part of what has its claws in me. But I mean, I don't know how much for longer or for how much longer, you know? Yeah. I I was just going to say, I I would argue it's very similar for politics because that's a big draw for me is like, not only are there, you know, independent leftist voices that I really value, but you also get to be plugged into, um, you know, national reporters. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's something that is really impossible on like any other website to have, yeah. um, you know, a, a singular place that so many nationally respected reporters will publish, um, uh, you know, details about their mm-hmm. reporting before it comes out or, you know, details that didn't make it into their reporting or things that didn't get by their editor or whatever, you know, just a direct, um, you know, line to the people watching our society. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there, there really isn't another place for that on the internet in the same way. Um, and that's really, that's really addicting for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that's basically just what I identified as like the like the the carrot and the, like also like the like the whip I guess like it's just the thing hurting me while I was staying there but also like the thing that I thought I like it was so weird I'd always be like oh yeah I hate like you know being pulled into dissenting conversations about stuff but I really love like centralized conversation about like what's happening in the world and mm-hmm. it's like it, you know, it's just very clearly something. Uh, another thing that I think was kind of illuminating for me was uh, I know that we were like talking about this in our group message on Twitter before I left. There was like um, this uh, survey asking people like, hey, how many percentage of Americans do you think are like each of the following things? And like Americans like sig- like like wildly overestimated a lot of like marginalized groups um on this list like thinking that like 20 percent of americans were trans as opposed to like 1.2 percent um it's like similar thing with like a lot of minority groups and i just sort of started thinking about um the way in which like i feel like thought that i find myself angered by like must be like the same thing has to be happening to me where i think that like in the same way that these people believe that, like, like in the same way that, like, violently transphobic people think that, like, one in every five of us is trans, like, I sometimes wake up thinking that one in every five of us is, like, violently transphobic. And that's definitely an idea that, like, for some reason, Twitter decided they were going to make a lot of money selling <laughs> me over and over again and, like, getting me addicted to, like, 
being worried about, which was like sort of just to use that example as being like one of the final things I was like really obsessed with, like when I was on Twitter, like politically. Um, and I feel like it's just whether that's true or not, at least in my own head, these problems were becoming like so much bigger. And um, I like had this conversation with my dad at Christmas where I was just basically like, yeah, but like if I, I, I like, I am going to get off, but the, the voice in my head is like, but if I get off, like, I'm not going to know what's happening. And he was like, dude, that's exactly what I'm telling you is what you need like to not know what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It literally is just poison information. Yeah. Um, brain goo. Is there any other brain goo you guys have been obsessed with recently? What's been going on in y'all's lives? Um, I was just getting. Glenn, you mentioned like you read a lot. You're reading a lot nowadays. What are you uh, reading? Mm. Um. Well. Right now, I'm I'm reading a, a machine learning textbook. Um, oh yeah, which isn't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little light reading, you know. Um, I uh, I I actually registered for um, the the graduate level class I'm taking uh, this morning, so I'm officially back in grad school. Nice. Um, like what uh, at tech, or are you taking classes from somewhere else? Uh, yeah, at tech. At okay, tech. nice. Um, yeah, the class I'm taking is um, it's remote, except for uh, there are three in-person exams, and there's um, yeah, you have to write a summary on a research paper that's been published in the past couple of years in, in machine learning, and then present it to the class. Mm. So, you know, it's almost entirely um, remote, but I'll need to be actually on campus like four days of the mm. semester um so yeah reading reading that right now um before that i actually don't remember what i was reading I remember i was enjoying it quite a bit i know i read um pedagogy of the oppressed by uh paulo freer i think is how you say it he's a south american um uh, philosophical author, mm-hmm. um, and then I was I was cutting my teeth on um, elementary principles of philosophy before I decided I was going to re-enroll in. Uh, uh, that's by Georges Pulitzer, um, and I was really enjoying that. That's um, not too long a read, and it wasn't too it wasn't too wordy. Like I wouldn't say it's an easy read. Um, mm-hmm. At least for me, like reading something um, in the computer science realm is a lot easier. Like uh, I was kind of laughing at myself a couple of weeks ago because I realized that I was just speeding through this machine learning textbook, and I would read something once, maybe twice, and I would just get it. Like I would know um, the idea they were trying to convey and where they were going with it, and kind of its implications, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, I just kind of had a map in my head of exactly what was happening in this book and and where it was going. And um, then I would go to a philosophy book, and not at all. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd have to read a page like four times to mm-hmm. really get it. And even then, it's like, well, 
do I really get it? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, because I don't, I, I don't know if that's a universal thing, but it's just, it's a lot more abstract and, and more, more difficult for me, which I guess makes sense because I have a degree in computer science, but, um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's an easy read, um, but, uh, vocabulary wise, it's pretty easy. It's just conceptually, it, it goes over my head sometimes in a way that other things don't. Um, but I highly recommend both. I think they're both very good books. Um, nice. The machine learning book is uh, exceptional. I I don't know how accessible it is. Um, to be honest with you, it's you know it's just kind of after being in the computer science world for mm. I think like six years, it's kind of hard to evaluate. Um, you know how the average person would would read it, but it's very very interesting learning how like the the math and the nitty gritty behind things like artificial neural networks. Um, and I've, I've been having a whole lot of fun with that, honestly, um, in a way that I never have with computer science. Mm. Uh, like I read, I read the chapter on artificial neural networks and then, um, there was an example neural network where, you know, they didn't explain how they built it, but they explained what the input was and what the expected output was and, and the internal, um, structure of the network mm. and just from just from the textbook i was like you know what why not dude i'll i'll just make that like they they told you how to make it in theory so just make it and i went off and on my own i just i paused reading that book and um you know i went back and reference diagrams and stuff uh but i just spent like six hours just playing with it and building it from scratch and it worked <laughs> i was like wow sick uh, and that That's is cool. never, that is never, ever, ever something I would have done hmm. um, in my last foray into grad school because, you mm. know, it was things like internet security. <laughs> right. I just, I honestly can't express to you how little I cared about internet security at the graduate level. Like, mm. it was not interesting to me at all. Yeah. But uh, that kind of stuff, yeah. No, I'll just, in my free time, I've just... I've been loving it, so I, I really can't wait to to really get into this class. Awesome, that's man. exciting. Um, that was a really long answer for what have you been reading right now? <laughs> no, <laughs> that was cool. What about you, fellas? What have you been reading? <laughs> uh, Drew, I haven't forayed much out of um, fantasy recently, so like very different than than the things you're reading. Um, currently reading. Uh, another uh, Tolkien book. Um, it's called Baron and Luthien. It's about it's, it's there's a story in the Simmer- Silmarillion, which is basically just like Tolkien's history book for mm-hmm. Middle Earth, just like the world that he created. Um, about uh, a mortal man and an elf that uh, fall in love, and all that comes after that. And this book was basically. Um, posthumously his uh, J.R. Tolkien's son just kind of dug through all his dad's old manuscripts and all his old uh, writings and just sort of pieced together how the story evolved over time so like there's it's not really just cover to cover just a single narrative story there's like excerpts from where it came or um, how it first uh, appeared in his manuscripts and then Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of it is written in like poetry. So that's like something interesting to me. I don't think I've like 
chosen to read any poetry personally since like high school. Mm-hmm. So that's been cool to read this story that's written um, in that in that style. And I've really been enjoying that. But um, yeah, nothing like nothing like principles of philosophy for me. <laughs> nothing <laughs> that deep personally, but I've been liking it. Yeah. I mean, you, you also have a whole lot uh, going on in your life that I yeah, really don't know, like having a son. <laughs> yeah, you got to get your books. You got to get your books up, I think, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're spending too much time enriching another brain. You need to enrich your own brain, I think. That's the Sigma grind set, at least. Yeah, I've been reading um, comic books recently, so nice. I'm like super into But um, I have been like writing a lot of poetry, actually, oddly enough, now that you mentioned that. Um, just like some of it uh, in like pursuit of maybe doing something with at some point. Because um, I've been doing like a lot of uh, me- like mechanical pencil sketching recently, and I've been thinking about uh how cool it would be to do like a like a mechanical pencil like poetry and sketches book like like on paper like the whole thing looks very like i would spend a lot of time putting it together but like trying to give it like kind of a thrown together like just mechanical pencil only like vibe i suppose Mm. um so some of the stuff i've been writing has been like for that um but others have just been like um i was like really uh upset earlier today just sort of vulnerably i like ever since um my like big breakup a couple years ago whenever i just am like uh, upset about anything um i have this like really lame dream over and over again that kind of started like back way back when um and without getting into the details of it i just like it's become sort of like like i think a a little bit of a red flag for me that my mental is like moving in the wrong direction. Um, even if it's like about one specific thing, it's just like, if I feel upset about something or if I'm angry at someone, or if I like feel kind of numb or just like depressed in general, I'll have this dream. (laughs) And, um, I had it, uh, the other night and I was just like really pissed about it this morning. And I just like wrote this thing that ended up being poetry. And when I was done, I looked at it and I was like, well, I mean, maybe some friends, but this would be, like, an insane thing to publish. And also, like, maybe arguably, like, a, a not very uh, nice thing to publish. <laughs> but um, I, it was just cool. I just was like, oh, it's cool that I am, like, I don't know, just fiddling around with the idea of expression and, like, was upset about something. And my head immediately was like, well, this is, like, the thing we've been doing to express, like, how we feel recently. And... So, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I thought that was cool. I've been reading some poetry, too, obviously, just, like, trying to get comfortable with, like, good forms of the uh, of the medium again. Like, because when I was in, uh, like, middle school, I, like, up until high school, I was obsessed with poetry and uh, writing it a lot. Um, and then I just, like, completely stopped in college uh, because of, like, esports and... Um, I don't know other things, life. but life. Yeah, but um, I love this. When I was in... I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut in. I love the sentence. I stopped poetry. Yeah, because of poetry, because of esports. <laughs> That's fair. It's just like I completely stopped writing in college because, like, I think I just made like esports like my only hobby for a while. Um, mm. But 
I like when I was in New York uh, with our friend Blake this last October. Um, I just felt like I, I heard multiple people speaking poetry live while I was there, and amidst a greater like love that I was developing for that city, I just like started loving how like much poetry has flown has like flown out of that city over the past like how many different insanely inspirational poets and like um really popular ones have come from new york and how it's just like a city that breeds like creativity and people and so as just sort of a way of like reintroducing myself to poetry and also just like be, like be getting more in tune with my like quote unquote New York state of mind or whatever. I've been reading like a lot of Langston Hughes and um like I found like this when I started reading that, I just on Amazon, because I've been reading like Kindle books on my phone, it just recommended this like collection called like The Voices of Harlem. And then I read that. And then after I read that, I read another one that was um like from I can't remember. It was but it was a different neighborhood in New I've just been reading a lot of New York poetry from a lot of different people recently and like um, fiddling along, fiddling around with a lot of different ways of writing it and stuff, and it's fun. I, I love it a lot. It, it's a really neat medium. It's also like a very uh, hoity-toity medium. <laughs> but, uh, my friend Ben last week said something that made me like giggle so hard. I was at this party and I just like I I didn't even hear the rest of the conversation, but he just like out of context i heard him say yeah basically every great poet ever was an insufferable asshole and that just like made me giggle like oh it's so true it, it, like it it breeds the most like i see the world for what it is like asshole in you i feel like it, um but it's beautiful <laughs> there's a reason why people feel that way when they write it i think um so yeah i respect that that's uh that's funny that you said you went to um some uh some poetry being performed because that was that's where i was gonna go with that was you know maybe if you feel like it's too mean to publish you can, you could go do some slam poetry somewhere yeah just go to a city that you'll never go back to <laughs> yeah. and just scream this poetry at folks and then leave i'm into that <laughs> yeah I, I just like have a little folder and when I've been writing them, I've just been throwing them in there and I don't, some of them I'm like, yeah, I might come back to this for like a book. And some of them I'm like, that's just for me, but it's just like cool to catalog. And also my natural instinct for doing these sort of things in the past is like to open a Google doc or something like that. But it's just like, I really am just trying to make as much of my life about like paper and pencil and like setting goals for myself and like, uh, I don't know, returning to, mediums that fulfill me more than like my devices <laughs> i suppose <laughs> so um yeah. yeah paper and pencil is uh it really is king yeah i am um, i think at least for me i've i've always found that <clears throat> i'm able to be uh, a lot more I guess unfiltredly honest on paper and pencil than I mm. ever am typing into a keyboard. <laughs> like mm. I, I don't know it. It's just something I cannot do. Like entering uh, my most closely held feelings um, into a machine. Uh, there's yeah. just something different foundationally about it. 
so yeah fully support that yeah it's, it's a lot of fun i think uh, there like there was one day where i was journaling and i remember like having this thought and thinking like man that's just the most toxic side of myself and i don't want to write that down and then i was like but i'm trying to summarize like who i like who i was and what i experienced today and like this is like what came to me like when i was like generating those thoughts so i like that that was like really early on and and that was a good like thing to break quickly and i think i even wrote afterwards like wow i tried to stop myself from writing that but like that's not what this is supposed to be about Mm. like that's how i felt today um so like again i think i think like is when I when I flip through the pages, there's it's all nice and complete. And when it's done, I think that there is like some value in being able to like go back to it or even like share it. But I just am always trying to remind myself like this is about the moment. <laughs> Breaking that stupid like content mindset that we're like bred <laughs> and raised up in like these yeah. days. I don't know. So listening to you guys talk about this and how like impactful journaling has been for you. I don't know. I think I might start because I've been so at my work they give us these these notebooks they're like like hardback books just like uh, for every day of the year so like we generally like write notes in them for what we're doing at work and like write data down and stuff like that but i have had this like this like existential crisis sometimes where i'll like go back through past pages of those books and there's just nothing for those days (laughs) these are just like days of my life that are gone forever (laughs) and like nothing i have nothing to remember them by Mm -hmm. so i think i think uh maybe i might start getting into that (laughs) yeah you should that's exciting the journal the journal boys are like (laughs) (laughs) no this is an extremely silly place for my mind to have gone but um, it's it's something I actually it's one of the few things from the office that I feel like lives in my brain forever. Um, <laughs> this is an Michael, office podcast, so <laughs> it's uh it's Michael getting so upset to Pam because he only took um, two pictures in the past year, and he's like, "That's all that year was was just these two pictures. That's it," <laughs> and. Uh, I really I think about that scene a lot because it's just <laughs> I don't know I could there's something about just a middle-aged office worker just not being like fully humanized in that he's mm. not producing anything like he is just you know anything reflective of his soul you know I mean, yeah. he's producing value for Dunder Mifflin but yeah um yeah just these two pictures were all like uh, that was the amount of humanity in his life for a year. And, um, yeah, I don't know. That's where my mind went because you said mm. like those days were just, yeah, empty that, that, yeah, that is totally applicable. And, um, <laughs> I've, I've also felt like the need in the past to, um, like sort of document more when I'm hanging out with people, like when we're hanging out together and stuff to like, record more not for like content sake like you were saying earlier but for just like so i can go back and remember mm-hmm. like oh yeah look at what we're doing this day like oh look at these these goofballs what a good day so I think might yeah get, get back into that as well 
Yeah, the only uh like relate the only like this is the only relationship with social media I have that's going in this direction. But I've been thinking recently about how like I used to be a lot better about saving Snapchat memories and mm-hmm. like when we were in college, like yeah, every time like I had more than one of my friends in the room, like I like was saving like multiple minutes of footage yeah. of it, and like I I I don't know. I don't think that. I, I don't want to get myself like into a place where I'm like always trying to preserve like so much so that I'm not like enjoying it for yeah, what it is. It's it's a hard balance to strike yeah. for sure. Like but. At, at on one hand, like you want to like preserve, be able to go back and remember this later, but at the other if you're doing that on the other hand, like you're not just there living in the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why you do have to I, find I, a balance. Yeah, for sure. I was just gonna say that's why I enjoy doing this stuff. I mean, one of my favorite like things to do sometimes, like if I'm caught up on all my podcasts, I'll listen to like a random NFL is for like 2019, and it's just like, like yeah. I don't know. Our, our perspectives are so strange, and like the things that we talk about in between the games are like so funny, and it's just like just little time capsules, and uh, it's really special. I don't know. I I think that that certainly is like one of the like positive aspects of the like the content mindset i can again like i said but um i yeah i i am definitely trying to find to figure out what my relationship with that is right now i suppose that was kind of um that was kind of the energy i was on uh last summer when we took our trip to pensacola mm-hmm. and i had my abed moment <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where actually multiple moments <laughs> where <laughs> I just set up like a tripod and a DSLR and just like videoed us playing a drinking game <laughs> for hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand that's an odd thing to do. Absolutely. But it, Wait, it certainly you have came footage from... of that. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. I... <laughs> yeah. I do you not remember crazy. what I said? <laughs> yeah. I have, I have like, I mean, I wouldn't say high quality because the lighting was not great, but I just like videoed us on a full size camera playing King's Cup for like hours. I'm going to see that at some point. That's hilarious. um, But yeah, I've just, I've kind of been thinking about that for for a while now. Just, I don't know, documenting um, the time you spend with friends because it really is valuable. It is Mm. extremely valuable. And I, I feel like I always treasure it when I look back. Like, sometimes there, there will be awkwardness in the moment for me because, um, you know, people feel weird when you whip out a camera. Like, people <laughs> yeah. just feel weird. Like, that's just a normal thing. But I always look back on it positively. Of I'm glad I took that picture. Yeah. Um, it's so, cool. Yeah. Documenting is cool. Man, the, there's a show that Glenn and I checked out recently. I knew called, you would go there. <laughs> yeah. It's called How To with John Wilson. It's like this dude who lives in New York and films like, literally everything he does. And uh, has like this team of comedy writers who like very smartly stream together like all of these different like shots that the dude like picked up while he was in New York into like these narratives where he does like a he's telling he's teaching you like how to do something but it always just inevitably becomes like uh, it, it's it's sort of like reframed the way that i look at like filming people like in the real world a little bit like uh it just 
the things that he's managed to do with that medium, I feel like he's just like captures people and events in the city and like his days and like I don't know, just this very in this way that makes me feel just like very emotional, like while I'm laughing at like these weirdos that he interacted with in New York, because it's just it's so like human and the and 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 using like it capturing it in a way that I know makes everybody around him feel like very inhuman in a, in a bizarre way, but like it produces, I, I just think it's really cool um, being able to like, yeah, I don't know the way that we can use that medium to just capture people like that. That show like has, has really like just opened my eyes to, to how, how, how much you can do with just like, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Like by it's like slice of life documentary, documentary filming, I guess, but like little moments. I think my favorite thing about that show is just the fact that it it could only exist like now, like with, yeah. with our current level of technology, like the ability to, uh, you know, even like 50 years ago, like you could not produce. There was not there were not devices capable of recording your entire life like that at that quality. Yeah, because he, he really does like. He walks around with a camera rig that is producing, I'm assuming, like 4K content, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he just does it. He just does it constantly, you know? And that's, and, you know, he's got a great big telephoto on there. Like, he'll zoom in across the street so much and just get an unassuming person who there's no, there's no human way they could know that he is doing this. And, you know, yeah. he's got, what is it? It's on HBO, right? Mm hmm. He's got like HBO level content of just his day to day, and it's yeah, it's something that could literally only happen now. And there's just something like oddly special about that to me. I completely agree. There, there's this one take. It was the take that made me realize like how amazing the show was. It's this dude like he's at lunch with his friends, and he's like very clearly upset about the bill, <laughs> and like. He's, like, from across the restaurant. The uh, John's, like, filming this dude, like, sitting at the table, going through, like, seven different motions of, like, anxiety about, like, having lunch with his friends. He, like, has his, ha- his like, head in his hands, and he's, like, shaking his leg and, like, looking off to the side. And they're having a conversation, and he's just, like, ignoring them. And then he just, like, gives them a dollar. <laughs> he gets up. It's just, like, just, like, these little, I don't know, people being so, like cutely annoying and like peopley mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's what i love about that city it's what i love about like documentary filming he like pulls it all together in like such a great way on that show yeah because you really like it, it's something where you as it's almost like do you know those exercises where it's like um it's not a triangle like it's just two tiny lines at an acute angle mm-hmm. like spread across a page but you look at it and it looks like a triangle because right. your brain fills in the lines it's kind of like that but just for being a person because mm. you have none of the information about their actual situation you only like see him looking upset and passing money but you i don't know you kind of like put yourself in his place and you yeah. feel so much from him like filling in the the lines in that triangle Hmm. yeah that's that's a good way to look at it that's cool yeah it's really neat stuff you got to check it out drew it's um nathan fielder 
executively produced this. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah brought brought <laughs> forth by Nathan Fielder. I'll say it's a, it's a lot less pushy uh, and like c- cynical than Nathan for you is. I, I'd say. Um, I have Absolutely. friends who, who yeah. prefer it to Nathan for you. I think like rehearse the rehearsal is probably my favorite of the three of them, but like they're all they're all so great in <laughs> different ways. They all they all capture people in the most like insanely unique and strange ways. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, Media that does that is very valuable. True. I feel. I agree. Have you been watching anything recently, Drew? Before we like wrap up here, since we got to talk about our show. <laughs> Um, nothing, nothing substantial. <laughs> I've been watching the, I mean, look, I've been watching like the Mindy project. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, other than that, not much. I've been wanting to watch more like good movies recently. So it's mm-hmm. just hard to find time to do that a lot. Yeah, that makes but, sense. Um, I just watched Amsterdam the other day. That was, I, I enjoyed that a lot. That the movie with, uh, Christian Bale. And mm-hmm. Margot Robbie and others. It was a pretty good one. Um, it wasn't the the best reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes, but that's not. I find I I disagree with with Rotten Tomatoes a lot of the time. So yeah. Have either of you seen Avatar two? No, I've not. I haven't really seen Avatar one. So yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. We both missed the entire Avatar. So I, mean, I, think, I watched it like 30 minutes of it and fell asleep in sixth grade, but that was my yeah extent. I think I had like the exact same vibe leaving the second one I had leaving the first one, which was like, it was probably the prettiest movie I've seen to date, but like every single plot beat either made me uncomfortable or was like very clearly ripped from something else I've seen before. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was just, it was all like very tropey, um, but it is pretty, very, very pretty movie. Um, I thought I thought that some of the stuff in it was a little ridiculous, but uh, you know it was beautiful. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry that the movie Avatar about the giant blue aliens wasn't believable enough for you. I think I think the thing this, to me now this is, is that, silly. This is where I draw the line. <laughs> I think I think the thing for me is that this is like the last like thing i'm upset about from twitter this is like the last thing that that app is like annoying me about still there was like i saw a lot of people in december saying that this movie like a lot of the people who i used to like on film twitter are saying that like this movie was like the death of franchise media and it's like oh my god i can't believe we have avatar like in the era of the mcu and it's all just like cgi u.s military trope garbage i don't understand how it's not like bred and born out of the mcu era like in a very like oblique way like it's like it's so that i think that's the thing about it for me that it's like it wasn't great and i keep hearing people say it is and that's like very bizarre to me but i mean welcome back to avatar that's just sort of the whole thing (laughs) so yeah i don't know (laughs) um Worth it for three hours, though, if you want to look at pretty CGI water for three hours. <laughs> make sure to check that out. I heard there were some very off-putting scenes in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there were there were yeah. some pretty off-putting scenes. I I'd say I I think like when I was explaining it to a friend who didn't want to see it afterwards, like 
some of the stuff I was realizing like how flimsy and upsetting like how they had gotten to that point was like on my like I, like as I was like recounting what happened I was just like ew is that what that was working towards that's lame that's stupid also like one thing that a lot of people really like about this movie is like in the first five minutes they are like oh by the way the villain from the last movie had a son that before he was killed, even though we didn't mention it in the last movie and you can't freeze babies. So that kid had to be raised on Pandora and he grew up acting like a Navi kid. So we named him spider, the monkey boy. And then it's just this like <laughs> white 14 year old kid and like a Tarzan loincloth and dreads like swinging through the trees with like, the <laughs> Navi people. And he's like one of the main characters of the movie. <laughs> sick and he's weird and he like bites people and he's like he's strange he's like a little feral guy he's he's bizarre it's a bizarre character (laughs) i'm sold (laughs) i'm running to the theater now (laughs) as soon as that comes out on streaming i'm gonna (laughs) get that going immediately you gotta pump the box office up uh, numbers up, Drew. Come on, no, you have to go to the end game. You're right, actually, because I want uh, numbers three through five to be made. So yeah, let's pump those box numbers, those box office James numbers Cam- up. James Cameron has seven hours of footage for Avatar three, and he wants to CGI the whole thing before he edits it down, which is like not really. How you do that? <laughs> not really. Seems hey, efficient. Hey, animators, I'm I, I'm not gonna be able to tell which what's really good until you guys like edit all seven hours of this. Can you do that for me? <laughs> he just cuts together like the sickest scenes. He's like, yeah. oh, this one's so <laughs> sick, and then he cuts out like major like major plot points. So you just don't know what's happening. <laughs> Like that's cool like the next here. sickest scene. I don't know. That's yeah. <laughs> just like I, in a beach. Who cares, man? I They're saw this. Re- I saw this report like multiple times on Twitter that like he gave the script for Avatar four to the studio, and the only thing they said was "Wow" or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, do you know where that report came from? No. A James Cameron interview. He, that was. Oh, that he, makes sense. He said, like, yeah, I gave them the script for Avatar 4, and all they could say was, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm glad the weird nerd gets to, like, make his fun little planet. I'm sure he's having a lot of fun. Uh, It's it's the death of franchise media. I'm happy for him. So, um... Do you, either of you have any other pressing things? I, I I like there was a good like mental theme to this episode. I was into that. Once we were done with the economy, we really broke it down. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed hearing your takes about uh, monetary versus uh, you know fiscal policy and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Kinsey. I thought it was really interesting when you said <laughs> when you guys both said that you were uh, socially liberal but fiscally conservative. That was thought-provoking. That is is me, yeah. (laughs) What an interesting little guy you must be, huh? Damn. Fiscally conservative, socially liberal? Wow. Actually, no, like, actually actually me in high school. Oh, mama. Oh, mama. (laughs) 
I love the gays. I just also love capitalism. Don't you get it? I'm like, I'm so cool with both of them. I don't... <laughs> um, I, yeah. I thank you both for joining me on this uh, Thursday evening. This was mm-hmm. a nice little time spent. Do either of you have anything um, at all to say here? or I've got nothing to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Not really, except read. Read. Encouraging our audience to read. Read Literacy is Chad. Yeah. Yes, agree. Read and journal. Spending time on the Elon app is beta and cringe. Mm -hmm. Yes, or the Reddit app. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah, so read and journal. That's that's the assignment for the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I guess we're done. We'll check back in next Thursday. Yeah, we'll check back yeah, in. You better, this better, is our podcast. Better do your homework. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done.